John McClane is a placist. No, no daughter of mine is marrying a white man. Any chance this guy can play harmonica? Now you don't have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. You guys think this is where Bush and Cheney got the idea? It's, it's cool if you fucked Ellis. I forgive you. Hello and welcome. We are back from theballerlifestyle.com. It is the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Beckner. Thank you very much for joining the program. I feel like I haven't spoken to you guys in forever. Uh, we've been kind of back and forth. We had a we ran a movie last week, and this and this will be the first time ever we've done back to back movies. But people love when we review movies here on the show. It's Christmas time, so we're going to do a Christmas movie, um, and so it's kind of you're missing out on the topical stuff. It's not like the uh, it's not like we're having a conversation like we often do. But we will be back in the new year with fresh topical content with some movies sprinkled in. As we always do. Uh, if you would like to reach out, you should do so. People like to react to the movies. I saw people reacting on our subreddit, TBLS underscore podcast on Reddit, where you can discuss everything that happens on the show, things outside the show. There's a lot of conversation there. As well, you can reach out via email. It's the most common, popular, effective way to do it, to talk to us. Uh, mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com as well. You can leave a, us a voicemail. Higher degree of difficulty, 949-464-TBLS. Uh, that's it. The Facebook page, Baller Lifestyle Podcast on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, patreon.com slash theballerlifestyle. More Patreon content coming there. Uh, this week, for a movie review, I'm joined as always by the great Ed Daly. Ed, how are you? Hey, how's it going? I uh, I I saw the Reddit page once, and then I've gone back to Reddit and I try to search for it. And yeah. it, I, I mean, it no. it really is like the internet in nineteen ninety four. I know, I know. It's not. It's like DOS. What the fuck is Reddit? It's like, what is it's it like stand the, I don't for? Know. What is it? I don't know. I thought it was only degenerates, and now that they've taken the the porn off Tumblr, two things are going to happen. Tumblr's going to go out of business in like three days. B. Yeah. Every, all the porno people from Tumblr are going to invade Reddit, and I just don't feel like Reddit can absorb more porno people. But hey, we got a page there, so I support that. The ball, TBLS underscore podcast. I'm going to send you a link. I'm going I'm to uh, text it to you right now. We are also joined by you know it's rare that Ed and I will do one of these alone. We like to have special guests, and we like to mix it up with our guests. And this guy has joined us a number of times before he has, I believe last, what was his movie? He did face off last. Oh. He was on, he reviewed face off with us. And I've decided, I don't know. I will make some exception exceptions, I think, but I think that, um, unless I have people here in the studio, I think that three is probably the right number of people to have, in three yes. different places. It's a triple Skype. It's a high degree of difficulty. There's a lot of talking over each other because we can't see each other. Um, so I think three is the magic number. Of- you know, you know, one person is going to complain about not being on Jason this. Stewart. Jason That's Stewart. right. Uh, but I love Jason, and he'll be back. He'll probably of be course. Back. The Bachelor starting up next year, or so he'll definitely can't be wait. that. Um, we are joined by fan favorite Mark the Nomad. Mark, how are you? 
I'm doing well. Hey, Mark. Uh, hi, guys. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I, I remember from some of the earlier episodes, you know, hashtag long, long-time listener, um, yeah. that you guys Hero. used to shit hard on Reddit. So I was like shocked to hear that there's a Reddit page, that this was like something that used to be I can't even find on this podcast. Well, I don't. I don't even know if I can ridicule our own page because I just I saw it once. I just texted and it was it like, right "Hey, now. we open it up." W W. I'm gonna go check it out. It's Reddit.com, and then Do the capitals little, matter. There's I mean, like what, what is going on? There's like a little R. There's like a little R. I don't know. And then it's God, TBL, R, all that. TBLS hell yes underscore podcast, and that's our name. I don't know. I don't. I I don't understand Reddit. But it, there's a lot of deviants on there. I know that much. There's uh, a lot of deviants, a lot of trolls. I know that. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it's like a diet version of like the real butthole of the internet, which I think is 4chan. 4chan. Um, that's that right. That's the that's big. a real bad place. But yep. right, it's like it's you know I'm in college now. I'm gonna try to chill out a little bit, but still party. That's that's Reddit. Reddit. 4chan is nuts. Yeah. Well, we're on Reddit and I'm excited about that. Okay. So it's Christmas time. We're going to, we, we decided to do a Christmas movie and we decided not only to do a Christmas movie, but we decided to do the ultimate Christmas movie this year. It's Christmas Eve in LA, California. Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be told a lesson in the real abuse of power. There is brilliant because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. But I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill them. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants think, damn it, think. is to be a hero. Where's Howie? Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? John. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, we sound like a war to pieces! He's inside? Who is he? Who are you then? You have lost troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Okay, I think everybody gets it. Of course, it's the ultimate Christmas movie. It's Die Hard. I like how they they were like, you know, people sat around a room and they're like, well, anti-hero is the new thing. And so let's just have the guy say, he doesn't want to be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, he definitely is that. Uh, so just the particulars, Die Hard came out in 1988, directed by John McTiernan. Written by Steve D'Souza and Jeb Stewart. Um, There's a good book, by the way, an oral history oh. of Die Hard. It came out like last year. No. Can no. I talk about the book real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the, a little fun fact for you here. This yeah. is not what you're talking about, Ed. Okay. But Die Hard is actually based on a book that oh, yeah, I yeah. have read called yeah. Nothing Lasts Forever. You're talking about the it, 1979 novel by Roderick Thorpe? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And a little fun fact is that this was supposed to be a Frank Sinatra movie when it first came out. Shut Frank up. Sinatra. He played the character in another movie, right? Yes. He played the detective. And then when he turned it down, Burt motherfucking Reynolds was supposed to be the dude. <sighs> it was supposed to be a Burt Reynolds reboot where he was the dad and Holly is the daughter. And everybody they asked to do it, Warren Beatty, Burt Reynolds, all the old dudes were like, this is not my thing. So they changed the whole script and made it a wife-husband deal instead of his coked-out daughter who was banging Ellis, saving the day. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I get in deep on something. I get in really deep, and I'm yeah. very deep in diehard lore. Oh, well, I couldn't imagine. Like this, the book came out in 1979. Frank Sinatra was probably in his 60s at that point. Like I couldn't imagine him being a cop. Yeah. Uh, so come out to the coast, have a few laughs. It uh, made for 28 million dollars, which is actually pretty high budget in the 80s. Um, diehard. And Bruce Willis was just uh, moonlighting at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Die Hard grossed over more than $140 million theatrically. uh, Turned – The summer release. Yeah, turned – despite it being a Christmas movie, I believe it came out in July. uh, The film made Bruce Willis a – bona fide fucking movie star. And if you haven't seen it in a while, for good reason. Um, it, what else? It, the, the movie became a franchise when I invited Mark the Nomad on to do, to review Die Hard. He's like, we're just doing the first one, right? Because I think he thought we were going to do the Justin Long version. <laughs> yeah, it's a great flick. I don't know what the problem I is. I saw it on a plane once. Um, uh, Die Hard has been named one of the best action and... Christmas themed films ever made. The film ranks number 20 on Empire's 27, 2017 list of the 100 greatest movies of all time. It stars, of course, Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Bonnie Bedelia. We'll get to that. Um, it's just everybody's seen it. It's a fantastic movie. Everybody knows what it is. The plot, if in case you don't know, it's you just heard it in the trailer. It's Christmas Eve. John McClane's on a plane. He's chatting with a dude. Um, he's going to visit his estranged wife, and shit pops let's, off. Let's, yeah, let, let's talk about the, the plane. Yeah, so let's start there. That's how the movie starts. They, he's on a plane. They just, first of all, the dude next to him, and I know society has gotten less formal. Dude's in a, a tie and a, a vest. Well, they're sitting in first. Still. I know. A, I know. In a vest. Yeah. But... But they just land in L.A. They just yeah. flew for six hours from, you know, JFK like or Guardia to L.A. Um, and as they, they're landing, they're on the ground. The guy's like, nervous about flying? <laughs> I thought that was a little weird, <laughs> I got, too. I got a trick. I got a trick that's going to help you get over this. Like, well, buddy, we're we're on the ground again. They've been sitting together for a, an entire cross-country flight. Like, they've shared meals. They're watching movies together, and all of a sudden, he decides to give him some advice about flying. We're here. Like, I could have used that like two and a half, three hours ago. And also, his advice is like, if you're nervous about flying. Yeah, two two hours later when you get to your final destination. But his not only are they there, but his his advice is, 
if you're nervous about flying, after you get off the flight, walk around with your shoes off and make knuckles with your toes. What? Or make fists with your toes. I do appreciate telling people to not take off their shoes on the flight because those people are monsters. That's a good good point. And I feel like they reached out to Joe Piscopo and he was like, I can't do that part. Because that was like his body double sitting next to him and i'm like is that joe piscopo it did kind of no, look like joe body has the same hair yes same cadence i'm like is, is that dude yes um and hey, you, you know eddie murphy there's a lot of like there's like there's a lot of pre 9-11 things going on that you notice in this movie specifically uh, uh bruce willis is packing on the flight he like gets Sorry. he gets up God, to get his bag and he's armed like, I'm pretty like sure that wasn't even allowed prepared. in 1988. Yeah, loose. Yeah, but then again, post 9-11, I told you about the time I was at a Dodger playoff game, and the guy goes, when there was a fight in our section, he goes, don't worry, and he just shows me his gun. I was like, yeah. well, that kind of makes me worried. I went, to, I went to a game with a cop once who was off duty, and he's like, and he had his gun, and he's like, oh, yeah, they, they like it. They like it when we're armed. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then he showed his badge, and he got us all free beers. Um, so they get, they get off, they get, he gets off the flight and he heads straight to Nakatomi tower to the Christmas party. He, oh, he gets picked up in a, well, uh, one more thing when he's getting yeah. off the flight, he pulls, he pulls the, doesn't he pull the bear out? I mean, the, yeah. The yeah. He's germs, got, it's the in the overhead. Loose. I mean, he yeah. couldn't even put a plastic bag around that thing. Yeah. Or yeah. check it, put it in his it's bag just, and check his it. His daughter, his daughter's going to develop some horrible shit from getting that that bear it always drives me crazy when people are carrying loose shit on the plane when they just have like a uh uh, like a grocery bag with a couple items in it like get a backpack those those plastic bins are just they just soak up all the germs you imagine if you were going to put like your carry-on bag in and you popped open and that giant bear was there and there's no more room Terrifying. And when he's at the baggage claim, he just whips out a heater and he it's just blowing smoke. He blows <laughs> blowing smoke on top of the bear. There's there there's a lot of aggressive smoking in this movie, not just by John McClane, although he is the main culprit. Um, so he's he's got a limo waiting for him. They they flash to a Christmas party where his where his wife is calling home. There's a um, pretty slightly racist depiction of the nanny where she's like, Hola, Mrs. Holly. No, Mrs. Holly, no telephone. Yeah. Cause she, cause she's like, Hey, did John call? And she's like, no, Mrs. Holly, no telephone. No. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Um, the, Mc- Mrs. <laughs> the, uh, the McLean children, the boys got a bad bowl cut and the, and the daughters got bangs cut across the forehead. It's, they have unfortunate haircuts. Yep. Um, yeah, might be I feel like he got also he got checked out by a stewardess getting off the plane. Like oh, he, he did. Yeah, yeah there's a little moment yeah. there. Yes, there was a like hard the, yeah. eye contact session. So yeah, you could tell he's he could swing it around if he wanted to. Um, he's got a limousine waiting for him. Which did I miss? I something? jumped in real quick. Yeah, I'm sorry. Better bear, Cameron Poe or John McClane? Cameron Poe all the way. It's not even yeah. close. Economical, mm. very small in size. Yeah, he's right. Got, you could actually carry it. You that. Giant bear is useless. And Cameron Poe's bear is an actual character. It's like a plot point in the movie. Um, it's something that confused me is Holly Gennaro, the wife, Bonnie Bedelia, miscast. Uh, not not that though. She doesn't know if John McClane's coming. She's got to call the nanny. Have we heard from John? Is John coming? He didn't call. 
And yet when he gets off the plane, there is a limousine waiting for him. No, no, no. Mr. Takagi arranged for that, right? Didn't, right. Did, I believe so. Ed nails it. He's Takagi's like, it's the least we could do. But it's like they didn't say, oh, it's a surprise. Holly's going to be didn't super check surprised. In with, they didn't check in with Holly like, hey, uh, you left this cop. Is he beating you? Like, yeah, exactly. you want him here? And it's like, no, no, we're just going to invite the uh, the guy you left. Maybe she's got a, maybe she's got a restraining order against him, and they've flown him out surprise. first. Yeah, <laughs> here he yeah. is. And I she like changed that. her last name. And then they go to the office, and right away, Ellis, played by is it isn't the actor Hart Bachner or something like that. But anyway, yeah, Ellis immediately is uh, raising Me Too red flags. Oh, big time. <laughs> well, it's a different time. It was, it was a different time, but they're like, we got we to gotta really establish this guy. Oh, yeah. He's a real piece of shit. Well, he's doing blow off the desk, and Takagi like, looks the other way. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. And then Holly, <laughs> Holly goes and talks to her pregnant assistant. And is like, drink away. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's like, drink up. Uh, so yeah, they, he gets picked up by a limo. I, for the life of me, the entire time I've been remembering this movie, I had always remembered that Argyle was played by T.K. Carter. Um, not, not the case. It's just some, I, just some rando I'm actor. I'm an Argyle fan, and I looked him up, and it would kind of bum me out. Like he just he nothing really. He, well, he did play the add-on character of head of the class, I think. Aristotle? Yes. Remember, like, at the end when they're like, hey, these kids are getting less cute or, or, you know, they needed something. How can they still be in high school seven years later? Yeah, exactly. So he was Aristotle. But then after that, I saw, like, his last role was cab driver on Workaholics or something like that. Like, he's he's, he's working. I want to say I saw him in New Jack City a couple years later. I don't know what he was on there, but I could be wrong. No, he's not Pookie. He's not Come on. Don't get high on your own supply. Uh, So, yeah, he's got a limo. They're both really excited. Both he and Argyle are really excited to be in a limo. Um, They head to Nakatomi Plaza where they have – where to get upstairs, there's like touchscreen and it's like super modern at the time. every time. Yeah. (laughs) It's like – they're way into the touchscreen and that's where he discovers that his wife has changed her name. Now – He's not highly plain. She, yeah, she's now Holly Gennaro, but it's weird because they're not divorced, and also she already had that job in New York before she came to L.A. How long was she supposed to be out there? They have separate six careers. Months. Six months. And Paulina, the 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 n- nanny, it's like, oh, what what could I do without you? Like, she yeah. has a full life without John McClane. And his whole thing, he's telling Argyle, he's like, uh, there's, you know, she's. She took the big promotion, but there's just too much scum on the streets of New York. And I'm like, hold up. Like, you're a cop. You're not getting rich being a cop. You can be a cop anywhere, and your fucking wife gets some big-time job where she's a director at some big-ass company that yeah, we – Just looking at just looking at that Christmas party, she, she's getting paid if she's an executive there. She's getting paid, although I will say this. Budget cuts at Nakatomi Corp. Like, why is the Christmas party at the actual office? Typically, and why, they, why is it on Christmas Eve? And also, why <laughs> is it on Christmas Eve? Every, every, the whole building's empty because people are home with their families, and it's yeah. five forty in the evening, and everyone's being forced to chill out at, at to, oh, uh, Nakatomi Industries. Huge, good point because nobody nobody else is there. 
but he goes through that whole thing trying to search for his wife and the maiden name. Yeah. And then after, at the end, he, the guy goes, oh, yeah, they're on the 30th floor. They're the only yeah. ones in the building. Yeah. So the, the only ones here. I like fish around and there's only one, one Just group go of up people to 30. There. Just like, yeah. Yeah. They, you're looking for your wife at, uh, you know, you're looking for somebody at Nakatomi, right? The 30th floor. They're the only people here. Right. Uh, uh, who, who, who are you here for? Oh, uh, yeah. I'll need to search the directory. You know, everyone's just upstairs in that one room. Just go up there, go upstairs. Yeah. No, exactly. like you, you go to the party. Find out the hard way that your wife has, has decided she hates your name. Changed your yeah. name. Yeah. Um, so McLean hits the party. It's, it's Christmas Eve. Ellis is doing yayo off, off Holly's desk. Like Ellis is sometime is some big time deal maker. Does he have his own office? Like, you yeah, ju- yeah. are you just that comfortable doing blow in somebody else's office? I got to uh, jump back to something, too. Yeah. When he gets to the party and even in, in the airport, John McClane is a placist. He makes fun of California like three yeah, times. Like, he does. California. He, does. he just rags on your your state, yeah, man. It's bullshit. California. Oh, trust me. I noticed. He says it a whole bunch of times and it's rude. It's fucked. He gets kissed uh, in the face and he's like, fucking California. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he he eventually he meets uh, Takagi. Who's the, who's now, Takagi, the, magical deep voice. He's got a real, yeah, he's got a real DJ voice. And, and some might, I mean, at least I remember him as Janet Sosna's disapproving dad when Steve Sanders married the, uh, oh my God. Uh, what's her name? Oh, Lindsay Price? The, at the end, when he got oh like domesticated, my God. Oh my God. He, was, he was the father-in-law who was like, wow. no, no daughter of mine is <laughs> marrying a white man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the party's going on and so at first McLean's there and he doesn't see Holly anywhere. And then eventually they, uh, they meet eyes and they sort of have a moment together, but let's be honest, like Bruce Willis is at the top of his game. He is a dime piece. He's gotta be what a decade younger than Bonnie Bedelia. Bonnie Bedelia is just like how many how many, I know this wasn't a big movie when they made it, but how many people had to turn down this role before they settled on Bonnie Bedelia? Did that strike she, you guys as odd? She had heat at this time. She was in, she played Harrison yeah. Ford's wife. Yeah. Like she was she in was the, the murderer. presumed innocent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my, my buddy Jake ruined it for me. Yeah. Bastard. Yeah. I read the yeah. book. I'm uh, not sure what the Bonnie Bedelia hates for, man. I mean, like I remember when I was a kid watching this movie that was like my first one of my first real exposures to like actual real cleavage. I was like, "Whoa, check that out!" Is yeah, she goes Bonnie Bedelia. Yeah. yeah, in that movie, she like by the end of it, she's basically like her shirt's been ripped off. You're like, "Wow!" Yeah. As the the night's gone on, she's struggling with her blouse. I mean, it might be that she's just the only one left. Um. So, oh, and so weirdly, John asks if there's somewhere he can wash up. <laughs> It's like a weird question. And then he goes and he's, yeah, he, go, he gets down to a wife beater at a, a company party. Yeah. And then he's being kind of a little bitch. Like he's in there. Bonnie's talk. She's like, Hey, so he's like, she's like, where are you staying? And he's like, Oh, Sergeant Cotrere, uh, he, he retired <laughs> and he's living out in Ramona, which is a place. This is kind of confusing. Cause she's like, you mean Pomona? And I would have been like, oh, Ramona, that's that, that's where they have the Apple Festival down there in, near San Diego. And uh, 
so he gets, there's some confusion there. And she, but then she's like, Hey, you know, you can, um, you can stay at the house and maybe fuck me a couple times if you want, you know, for old time's sake. And, uh, Man, how is it not discussed at all? I know. It's weird. Of course he's going to stay about, with his wife. And how about when they're having the discussion, just a, a random couple spills in like it's a house party that they're going to go at it. Yeah, they they end up fucking and they end up let's fucking in the bang. next office. Yeah, let's go bang on Holly McLean's desk. Oh, sorry, Holly, you're here. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll find another couch. So, and then John's just being a little bitch. He's like, "Oh, you should never left." Like, what? This, she's got this fucking great job. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, she won the deal. Like, are you looking around, bro? Like, yeah, it's life's life. Her going office pretty is well. probably nicer than your house. She's a director. And they want her to make a speech. Like she is, she's basically going to be CEO. She's on the fast track. She's Takagi's number two, I think. Yeah, exactly. What was she doing in New York? How did you go for like, what was she doing? She's running the East Coast. Right, exactly. So things are going well for her. And this John McClain, he fucking wants her to just stay and be miserable in some row house in Queens while he's, (laughs) while he's fucking being a cop. Like, Talk about uh, just a, a selfish me first type of guy. Um, now we're introduced, so they're they're all up at the party, and so, all of a sudden, something something's happening down on the ground level. We, we get a look at sundown from Top Gun. Yes, he cruises <laughs> in. He's talking about the Lakers. He's like, you know, like I'm not saying that having a black guy talk about the Lakers as he walked in. I'm, you know, I mean, it was the eighties and the Lakers were a big deal, but he's like AC to worthy back to worthy. And then he, they like, he does that thing where he slips out of the way and all the Aryans that show up with Gruber, they just start fucking murdering people. They're just like shooting the security guards. It seems like you don't need to be slick with all the, the Lakers misdirection. Right. If you're just going to kill them, they just kill everybody. Yeah. Yeah. They kill, they, they kill all the security guards. Um, I got to stop right there. Yep. There's a guy by the elevator who probably didn't need to be flashbanged before he was shot. He's just chilling there. He's not, he doesn't look armed, but he's like, oh, look, it's flashbang. Like, this is complete overkill to take this dude out. Also, I've always thought that. Also, they murdered his, yeah, they didn't flashbang the guy at the front desk. Because if you're working security at a desk of an office building, you're not prepared for a guy to just point a gun at you and shoot you. And if you have $640 million in bearer bonds in the vault for some reason, plus some ancient samurai armor, you might <laughs> want to think about just spoiler. Maybe, I- <laughs> maybe a little more than a couple of ex cons standing down at the front, like guys, guys that couldn't catch on at the fort. Maybe they took a disability and they had to leave the force. They were, they were pulling desk duty. Uh, I just feel like security was a little lax at Nakatomi Plaza, considering that they had a, a, a G, the GDP of the entire Western Hemisphere in the vault. Did you guys think that was weird? Yeah, uh, I agree. That it would tend to bring a, a little more security. Yeah, I feel also, like yeah. also well, I can defer to you. Cool rings guy, Brian. Uh, I'll defer to you. Yes. <laughs> I will defer to you. Is this like a rough neighborhood? Century City? Is this like a bad part? Of no, town? I was there no. this summer. It's the Fox. It's the Fox headquarters. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's just fine. It's just a regular building. Um. So and then John's upstairs. He's doing that thing with his feet while the security guards are getting murdered downstairs. He's barefoot. A lot, he wants to get over being nervous about the flight, even though he's 
there, has had a full marriage discussion with his wife. Now he's going to get over the flight. And he's like, huh, this is kind of working. Like, he's an idiot. Um, he's doing the thing with his feet. People are getting really mur- murdered downstairs. And John's just totally cool with Argyle waiting forever. Like, Argyle pulls up and drops him off. He's like, hey, you know that where you're going? Costs money. Yeah, and he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, you know oh. what? He's probably thinking it's on Takagi. What do I give a fuck? Yeah, he's like, I'm not sure. He's like, hey, I'll tell you what. I'll fucking wait downstairs and talk on the car phone and be really excited about it. And meanwhile, John's upstairs and he's had enough time. Like, Bonnie Bedelia's already said, hey, you can cruise to my place. And he calls down and he's like, yo, Argyle, wait longer. Like, kind of rude, right? For a guy that's uh, supposed to be an everyman, he's just going to have this guy wait all night in the, you know, he's like, I haven't decided what I'm doing yet, so just hang out down there on the car phone. And also, how did Holly get to work? Yeah. I mean, if he's going yeah. home with her, what does he need Ar- Argyle for? Right. Argyle is a shitty employee. Like, he, he makes it very clear, this is uh, his he's, first he's so limo. Lovable. He's the most lovable he's like, part of the this movie. This is my first time, and within... Day like hours of his first real shift, he's like, "I'm just gonna go in the basement and chill." They think I'm going to Vegas. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm gonna hang out. Whatever you need, I don't care about this job. But he's super excited to be on the phone in a car. Like he's he's like, "I'm cool. I'm just gonna talk down here on the phone." Eighty seven. That was cool. That was a big fucking. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So Hans Gruber's team disables all the elevator. All, all the elevators, they, they like show them hitting the touch screens, sundowns, like taking care of all of it. And then, but they, they disable all the elevators. And then what does Hans Gruber and his team immediately do? Get on an elevator and head to the top floor, <laughs> to the 30th floor. And one of those terrorists, I, watching it this time, he really stood out to me. One is super femme. Uh, the the one with the long hair, Carl, Carl Hungus, not, not the blonde. The, long, not the blonde. I think I know you're not talking about long jamming. brown hair. Yeah, brown brown hair. It was like teased and everything. He was yeah. super femme. Yeah, could have been the Lost Boys. Uh, so the so the Krauts show up to the Nakatomi Christmas party, and they're immediately terrorizing the office. For some reason, they walk into a place where they know no one is armed. And they immediately start unloading clips of machine guns into the air for no reason. Especially if you go the Carpathian. He's particularly unloading yes. clip after clip into the air. They're just, they're just blasting away for no reason. Meanwhile, good, good guy with a gun in the washroom, John McClane is there. He's in a position to end the threat but immediately. He's a cop. He's got training. What does he do? He goes straight for the exit. Runs right out the fucking back door. And instead of going down where the help is, he goes up. And then he starts staring. He looks at some chick undressed in the window across the way. Yeah. That's the first thing Weird. that catches his eye. Because you're like, oh, should he uh, – is he going to try to get her attention? Because he's like, think, think, McLean, think. He's not doing much thinking. He's just saying. First of all, you didn't put on your shoes. Yeah, no shoes. He's in a construction construction site. There's probably a lot of nails and screws on the floor, whatnot, (laughs) glass. Um, Then Gruber introduces himself, and he's looking for Takagi. And And there's there's like four Japanese guys there, and he's like (laughs) scanning the room as if the blonde guy with the mustache is uh, is Takagi. Meanwhile, 
knows every detail about Takagi's life. Born 1932, interned at Manzanar, went to Stanford. Your dad was a postman, like worked your way up Those from the mailroom. profiles usually come with a picture. Yeah, he's like, he's, yeah. you got five kids. He knows everything about him except what he looks like because he's never seen a picture. I don't want to make generalizations, but I have a feeling half of the non-speaking executives were also non-speaking executives in gung-ho. <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> They looked a little familiar. Uh, so, so Gruber pulls, and really, it cannot be understated. I, I found myself, even though I was watching this on a um, bootlegged version on my computer, stunned at the performance of Alan Rickman. I really feel Fall in like love every time I watch this, it's crazy. Like, I this movie. This is his first movie. Yeah, he does just does not get enough credit. He is so fucking good and he's really because it's a really a pretty pedestrian movie otherwise he really makes this thing go as the bad guy um he's he announces he wants the bearer bonds he's pulls takagi aside and he's like look give me the codes i know you i know they're in the vault and takagi's like that's not going to do you any good there's seven vaults or whatever by the time you get in they're going to change the codes and he's like and he's like look Give me the code or I'm going to kill you. I'm going to count to three. And if I get to four, I'm going to kill you. And Takagi's like, I don't know. Like he's playing coy. What's in it for Takagi to withhold the code? Just, just fucking yeah. tell him. Exactly. I mean, these guys, these, they're fucking terrorists. They got machine guns. I would be like, here are the last three. Like here, the, let me give you the rotation. Yes. Yesterday it was this. this you know what? what it is today. Take Tomorrow my card. Yes. Take my card. Nobody will notice. If you just. Take the money and take my car and leave. Let me open this shit for you. Like, can I get you a champagne? All good. Like, just don't murder me. And because I've seen you blasting machine guns in my office. No worries. I'll open the fucking vaults. But like Takagi has to be a hero. And what happens? He ends up getting fucking murdered. Just not less than five minutes ago. And father of four. And like, you know what? These bear bonds are far more important than my family. This, uh, but this murder of Takagi was a cool way to establish like these guys are scarier than your goofy eighties action movie villains. Like just in cold blood, it wasn't like a shootout murder. It was just executing guy. That that, that was a, that that was a good way to like really tell you how serious these fucking, that was, that was pretty good. But then immediately after he shoots him in the head, he's like, um, so sundown, do you, can you crack the code? And he's like, "Yeah, no problem. Take me about thirty minutes." So in the time, in the time that they were questioning Takagi and shooting up the office, they could have just sent Sundown over and just had him. Start, hey, just start working on the codes, just in case he doesn't give it to us, because you say you can do it in thirty minutes anyway. So maybe it takes you forty, but at least you've already you're already getting going on it. Uh, we'll see if Takagi can give it to us, and if we got to murder him, fine. But just. You know, you're you're the code cracker guy, so just go ahead and get started on that. I, I thought one that was things, kind of uh, One of the things about this movie that I, that I love is like in really intense moments like that, when he's clearly threatening to kill him, and you're like, okay, there's like this this crazy standoff. Right in the middle of that, Carl and Sundown are like, I told you, like they have a side yes, bet that he yeah. wasn't going to tell him. Yes, you know, <laughs> and it's those little they keep moments. it light. Yes, yeah, they're like, and then. Right after he blows his head off, he just hands casually 20 bucks. Like, yeah, you win. You win the bet. He blew his head off. Yeah, these guys don't fuck around. Like, this is crime is their business. Um, so, McLean, meanwhile, McLean's up in a construction zone. He's under the table. Zone. 
no, no. Yeah. This, oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like in the room next door, I think. Yeah, yeah. So he sees he sees them murder Takagi, and he's like, holy fuck, I can't, you know, um, these guys aren't fucking around. Then he, like, makes some noise, like, escaping out of the room. And so they're like, what the fuck was that? And they, like, go looking for him, but they can't find it, find him. Because he's running around barefoot on the Again, construction floors upstairs. If he's an NYPD, yeah. if he's a cop, I get it's jarring that you didn't expect – your wife's boss to be murdered. Yeah. But like these guys are tr- I mean, it's yeah. not like he, he's in small town USA. He's an NYPD guy. Like yeah. he should know not to be making a big fuss when there's a standoff going on. Like he's, he's very sloppy police work. Yeah. And he's got the drop on him. Like they're sitting there interviewing Takagi. Just come in and start blasting. You're a good guy with a gun. You should be a, they, they, they should be, a gold standard police force, you know, in terms of training and everything and what they, they see on a daily basis. And he, he just completely panics and makes noise and isn't wearing shoes. Well, There's a lot of, a lot of sloppy behavior. He probably, and he hasn't had a drink yet at the party. He probably wouldn't have had a problem if Gruber had been down on the street selling Lucy's. Like he would have easily right. been able to choke hold him to death. No problem, but this That's is Staten Island. a lot of That's cases. The rock. That's the rock. Staten <laughs> Island's a different animal. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. not to go back to the book, but I, we talked about um, Rickman being cast yeah. as Gruber. So it could have gone so much worse because in the book, the guy's name is Gro- Gruber, but it's Big Tony. Like, imagine how poor Big Tony Gruber. Gone if they, if the bad guy, if they were like, okay, well, we got to stick with Big, big Tony. Tony. Think about yeah. the piece of shit they would have cast <laughs> yeah. for McLean. a Big Tony Gruber. Yes. Now yeah. I've got your wife. <laughs> uh, so, hey, give me the codes or I'll blow your fucking brains out. Um, so McLean, <laughs> Joe Pesci. McLean's upstairs and um, he's, I think they send up. Carl Hungus's brother with the serial killer glasses. They're like, no one, no one ever gets sent out with a partner in this gang. They send him up there. They're like, Hey, go see what's going on. And, uh, McLean is able to kill Carl Hungus's brother, but then it's like a roll down the steps and snaps his neck. Yeah. yeah. He breaks his neck. Cool but then, I mean, it was, it's it, very cool death, but then for some reason he puts him in the elevator and sends him down as a taunt to Hans a, Gruber. It's like, a fun taunt, but not good for it would be much yeah. better for your position and everything if you you just can't get in touch with Hungus's brother. Yeah, you don't know where he is. Right. They're well, not completely aware that they have an enemy to deal with at this moment. But then he's like, Oh yeah, you do. Look, I'm here because the, he he taunt he writes a taunt in blood on his on on Carl Hungus's sweatshirt. Now so yep. Maybe it comes up at, at the end, but he, for some reason, McLean knows it's Hungus's brother. Why would he I, ever know that? Why would you know the brother relationship? That did come, yeah, that came out later, and I was like, wait, how would they know? I mean, no. I, they look alike, yeah. When he's on top of the elevator and they're talking about it, oh, he's like, go right. find Carl, his brother's dead. Right, and then he's like, jump okay. back like 15, like 15 seconds. Because no. the brother rolls up. Yeah. And he's in a full sweatsuit, which yeah. is highly questionable. I wear that. But I have that like, sweatsuit. Shocking. Yeah. Um, he comes rolling around the corner and he's like, uh, no like one's coming to help sweatsuit. you. Yeah. Yeah. The sweatshirt. Yeah, no one's going to help you. Yeah. Like a Hans and Franz sweatsuit. 
but I'm not going to hurt you. And then immediately unloads half of his clip on the floor. Right. Like, I'm not going to hurt you, buddy. And just unleashes fury. They, they're trigger happy. These, these Aryans. They love, they love to shoot at nothing. And the old turn the bandsaw on trick. Oh, there's a sound over here. (laughs) I read, I didn't notice it. Um, but I read that not one of these guys could speak German. So they all just like mumbled things and then it was dubbed in German later. Oh, that's so good. That's so not good. one guy speaks German. So I do I do like now I recall that um that McLean rides the top of the elevator down to do some recon while they're while they're checking out Hungus's dead brother. And he's like he's like, go find Carl, tell him his brother's dead. And he and he takes a Sharpie and writes on his own arm Carl. And then he's also already got written he's down on his arm. It. Yes, he's writing shit. He's he's also written on his arm, Hans. Like I feel like you would be able to remember those two details in the moment. (laughs) Uh, So, oh, so then he's got a rate. He tells him, "I got a machine gun." So now they know. You know, he he outs himself, and then for some reason, he decides to call the cops on the radio and really alert everyone to his presence. I mean, I feel like he could he could have held off on that, right? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't fault him for that to try to alert the cops. Um, because maybe he didn't realize that they were on the, I, there are other things that he did sloppy police work here. I guess you got to try to, if you're already taunting them, you, you need to, you need to alert the cops. Uh, yeah, I guess he's, you're right. So he, um, eventually he does reach the cops. So first Carl is, has to avenge his dead brother. And he does that thing that they only do in movies where he's like, nobody kills him, but me, Yeah, which is kind of weird. Like he's a bad guy. You're trying to get the bearer bonds. I, I feel like if anybody's got a shot, you just kill him. I don't feel like there's like, Oh, hold up. This guy's Carl's yeah. or whatever. Um, but but yeah. by the way, I, I could listen to um, Rickman read the sweatshirt. Yeah. So good. Like very difficult for me to take Carl seriously after seeing him in the money pit. Yeah. I was going to say he's he's the other guy in the money pit. Like I was like, I'm trying to take him seriously as like this scary terrorist, but I just see him being like this ballet dancing doof. Uh, I'm like, okay, not just, you know, you did too well on your last part, buddy. Tough. So um, McLean reaches the dispatch. He does a mayday call on the radio. He's like, fuck it. I don't care if they hear me. I'm going to get the cops over here. And then um, something that happens, this happened a lot in the 80s, and it happens a whole bunch of times in this movie where he's like, hi, I'm at Nakatomi Plaza. There's a fucking terrorist thing going on here. There's fuck. There's Germans. They got guns. I took one out. We need help over here. Send the cops. And the uh, dispatcher's like, hey, what are you doing calling this channel? Like, call 911, asshole. <laughs> they did that to Jeannie Bueller when she yes. said there's a guy maybe raping me. Uh, yes. They did it in Home Alone. They do it all the time. Oh, it's- come on. They did it to – um, they did it in Goonies, Chunk, when he was, like, trying to call the Fratellis. They're like, oh, knock it off, Chunk. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a very – and they do it. And when uh, when the, the Breakfast Club principal shows up later, he's doing the same thing. So they – um. Times have changed. But, like today, yeah. if you you can they take crank call the serious. police yep. and get a SWAT team sent to someone's house and get them murdered. Call. Yes, and I was like, a, yeah, get them murdered. Yeah. Like, but by the way, can, 
the the fact that you bring up uh, Paul Gleason, yeah. this movie had two of the most terrific '80s pricks, Atherton and Paul Gleason, two great great assholes in movies. Oh, totally, and, and real genius. And Love Ro- it. And Robert Davi. Uh, hold on, we'll catch up to all that. Um, so. So eventually dispatch is like, Hey, like let's get our fattest, laziest cop over there to check it out. And they call in the, the great, desk jockey, the great Reginald Vell Johnson, who is at the, and this is another thing that happens in the movies all the time. He's at the, at the convenience store and he's loading up on Twinkies and only in the movies are people so such brazen dicks to cops where he's behind the ca- the guy behind the counter is like, Hey, thought you fat fucks only ate donuts. Like <laughs> just really like, just, just I mean, let the guy pay for his Twinkies. Just let him, just let him do his thing. Um, also one time I was in Vegas with some buddies and it was like the hangover morning after. And we're just trying to gear up to go back out there and we're flipping around and, there were like four movies in a row. Turner and Hooch. Yeah. Reginald Vell Johnson, he played the cop in Ghostbusters in like just the one jail cell scene. He only plays a cop. That's the only yeah. thing he's ever, even in Family Matters, I think he was a cop. So he was a cop. So uh, I see Reginald Vell Johnson pop up on the screen and I think to myself, how fucking old is this guy? And cause I'm like, he's, you know, if this could be like a Danny Glover thing. Cause I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. And I'm like, he's probably like getting pretty close to retirement. So 1987, I'll take your guesses. Mark as the guest, you can go first. 1987. How fucking uh, old is Reginald Vell Johnson? RIP, by the way. Not that no, I don't want that. I don't want to give anything away. He's, oh, is he not dead? I thought he was dead. You already did this to Kevin Mitchell. Don't, Fuck, don't, I keep doing this to don't people. Don't kill these guys off you. No, he's not dead. Uh, okay. Uh, Reginald Vell Johnson. How fucking old is Reginald Vell Johnson in Die Hard? Mark the Nomad. I mean, the floor has got to be 43. That's You have to start at 43 and work your way up. Yep. I'm going to go 45. 45, an old looking 45. And Ed, you say you already know? I already knew. I already knew this because I when I was trying to find out how many times he played a cop. I remember knowing that he was a crazy age for this. 35 years old. Reginald Vell Johnson uh, born way. August 16th, 1952. Still alive. He's, he's reported a- death. He, he was the subject of an internet hoax right before Valentine's this? day last year. Yeah. I never, I never got the hoax part. I thought he died. No, Bell uh, Johnson took to Twitter to show he was alive and doing well. No, I'll follow him this on guy. So I'm like around the same age as this dude back then, Richard and yeah. as yeah. he was when he no, was a diehard. Yeah. There's God. That that's that's shocking. Like normally these are a joke. That one just shocked. It's me. stunning. Yeah, There's I'm, no way. I'm much older than Reginald Bell Johnson was when he played his character in Die Hard. Great, mustache. Uh, probably yeah, thirty-four when they film this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's great. So McLean, for some reason, and I don't. I, I, maybe they added this detail. There's a reason he can't go down the stairs. Uh, they're not like guarding the stairs, but for some reason he can't go down the stairs. He wants to get down a floor, and I think this was ill-advised. He decides 
that he's going to repel down the elevator shaft or not the elevator shaft, but like the, um, like the ducting and he's, he's going to hold himself up by his only weapon. So there's he's got to be more supplies in the building. Yeah, that you could- he's, he's got a machine gun and he like wedges it in. This is a famous scene. He wedges it in the, the doorway or the opening to like hold him up. Also, he's got it wedged the wrong way because it's got a folding um, shoulder, butt. what do you call it? Stock. Collapsible stock there. Yeah. And then he's got, and then he's, he's going to lower himself down by the shoulder strap, but it's not long enough for him to reach the duct that he wants to climb into a uh, piss poor planning on the part of McLean. Like how did this guy become a cop? Only part of the movie that I felt like I, I realized he jumps off a building at one point. Yes. The, that With part the is more believable than him. Like when it snaps and he literally falls. Yeah, the, yeah. the fire hose is way more believable than that catch. hundred yeah. percent. You're, yeah. you're dead. You, like, that's well, the end dead. of the movie right there. He's dead. Yeah. But yeah. first you celebrate your shoulder before dying. But yeah. also, you leave your fucking machine gun behind. Like you need. Now you don't have a machine. Yeah, gun. you know. Ho, ho, ho. Hey, I no longer have a machine gun. Ho ho ho. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's in the air duct, and for some reason, Carl Hungus knows that. And so Carl Hungus machine guns the air duct because these guys they're not like trying to save ammunition. He machine guns the air duct, but like not the part where uh, Bruce Willis is hanging out, John McClane. And so McLean's got – he's still got his handgun. So he's like kind of pointing it, doing that thing where he's got it like trained on him like below. He's like waiting until he walks under a certain section so he can shoot him. But despite the fact that Carl Hungus machine guns like one section of the air duct, then he decides to walk over and just like touch it with the – like push on it with the tip of his gun, which does didn't seem like the like this smartest idea, but – and then uh, he's so he's so hell bent on getting revenge, and then when the 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 one guy's like, "All right, we gotta go," they're like, "Okay, I'm just leaving." Even yeah, though yes, sure yes, <laughs> exactly. He's like, "Okay, never mind." So and then so McLean's looking out the window. He gets out of the air duct and he's looking out the window and he's like, "Oh yeah, the cops are here." And it's Reginald Vell Johnson, age thirty five, and he's he's driving like in a circle around the the driveway. He's like, oh, "I'm just checking things out. Looks pretty quiet over here." He's like calling on the radio. And uh, this is a very common joke from the 80s, and I'm glad made it in this movie because Bruce Willis looks out the window and sees him driving in circles, and he's like, who's driving this car? Stevie Wonder? Oh. <laughs> Get it? Because he's because uh, Stevie Wonder's blind. So Allegedly. Would, if he, if he hey, would, hey, yeah, do not be a truther there. That's true. Stevie Wonder. Because <laughs> he caught a mic stand once. Everybody's got theories. Fuck you all. I he's, love you. <laughs> He walked off stage one time by himself, no problem. How dare you? Both he just wasn't you. led. He was led out to the stage, and then the thing ended. He truthers. just walked right off. Both no of you were truthers. Anyway, he's um, so then McLean is like he's he's encounters some uh, two more bad guys, and one guy's like tr- like on top of a table, and McLean's under the table, and there's some witty banter and. Uh, McLean shoots the guy through the table and he does a, a, he utters the famous line, welcome to the party pal, which is pretty good. Well, the uh, welcome to the party pal was when he almost murdered Reginald Bell Johnson. Oh, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yeah. Like, he threw like the, he threw the knew, dead body he, out the window. He knew for sure yeah. the dead body yeah. was not going to crush the driver. He was like a foot away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, 
just the fact that he was able to land it on the vehicle was pretty impressive. Like dead weight, like lining up, nice. throwing a really? body off a building. Always confused me Not here easy. because McLean clearly chucks the dead body, but then someone immediately sprays his car with a million bullets. Is that McLean also shooting him? Or do they go, oh, our friend just got jumped out, dropped out of a building. Let's unload everything we have into this cop so maybe the cops won't notice their, their guy's dead. Like, yeah, right. They like, literally still just... has to check in, right? I mean, yeah, he's got to check in at some point. I was wondering about that. But then like, who the guys, would, but it, it must be McLean because the guys who were on the roof, those are the guys who ran down and he killed. Yeah. There were two guys on the yeah. roof. When they heard him trying to smash the window, they went down. So McLean is not only almost crushing him, he's shooting at him. He better be Wasting accurate. Precious resources, too. That guy's, like, head, that guy's head comes like a foot away from Bill Johnson. Then the bullets come a foot away. Because he's holding the gun saying, Welcome to the party, pal. Shoot That's him. Right. At him. That's right. Uh, so then but then yeah, just still talking on the phone. I get why they do I get why this they do this, but McLean starts a dialogue with Hans Gruber that continues through quite a bit of the movie via the radio, where he's basically like slowly giving him tidbits. Like Hans Gruber is very clearly trying to get information where he's like, pretty good for a security guard. And, uh, and John McClane's like, eh, try again, pal. Like, just let him think you're a security guard. You're like, yeah, I'm working my shift. Or, you got me. Like, it's weird that he <laughs> wants to give him details. Oh, birthday clown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so then eventually the real cops show up. Um, the principal from the breakfast club is the main cop. Um, the bad guy from Ghostbusters is there. Uh, he's he's like the um, he's like the sh- slimy reporter guy, hard copy. Um, and then the cops, you know, they're not really taking shit seriously. Like Reginald Vell Johnson's like, "Hey, I'm 35, and we got a good guy in there, and he's giving us intel." And the, um, and Paul Gleason's like, "It could be a fucking bartender for all we know. Send in the SWAT team." And then they send in the SWAT team, and of course, um, Sundown, he's got like all the cameras there, and he's like, okay, they're in two-by-two two formation coming in the back door. The, the, the SWAT team, the building's under siege, it's been determined. A body's been thrown out of the building of a terrorist. Yeah. The, the, the SWAT team shows up. They're clearly about to assault the building. They have their tank coming also. They're like, the tank's almost here, but let's get in there. They roll up, and what do they try to do? Pick the lock. front door. Yeah, no, they go. They go in the back door. But <laughs> oh, yeah, instead yeah. of just fucking kicking it in or shooting it or whatever, blowing it up, they go. Okay, get get your fucking Magnum PI lockpick set and let's just try. And they're like trying to jimmy the fucking tumblers, and then we're gonna pick the lock and get in. What kind of if logic I is was that? a member, if I was a member of the real Los Angeles SWAT team, there's a point where they're like yeah. walking through the bushes. And one of them gets cut by a rose. And I was like, ah, yes. I'd be like, these fucking guys, yes. they make us look like shit. What was that detail? They didn't have helmets on or anything. They just have like their toques on and they're just like running fucking <laughs> up. Hey, I'm going to run in the back of the building. No problem. I'm the SWAT team. Uh, meanwhile, they all get murked by, uh, by Hans' bad guys. And he's like, just wound them or something. And they're, they just fucking take them out. Um, what else? Happened? Endo. Endo yeah. from Lethal Weapon wounds them while yes. eating a candy bar. That's right. That's right. The, the Asian guy that's in the, the the balding Asian guy with the ponytail that's in every movie but never has. Yeah, any he's a, he was in a lot of shit, but clearly he must be a terrible actor because 
There were enough opportunities he could have had a line, and nobody gave him one. Not totally. one Never person. talks. Just uh, electrocutes rigs and shoots the SWAT team. Right, exactly. Um, so they attempt to pick the lock. Oh, the, um, I forgot. The bad guys have bazookas. They're like, hey, hold on. Don't worry. The, um, the SWAT team, the SWAT team tank is coming, which should have come in the first place. And they're like, but don't worry. We're going to, we're going to hustle the bazookas up to the second floor. And so when the tank shows up, they fucking bazooka the cops assault tank. And that, that deals with that. Um, then McLean attempts to nine 11, the building <laughs> like he's, yeah, yeah. He's, there are a couple, there are a couple moments where I was, I was not sure what the end game was. He's like, how about if I fucking drop some C4 down the elevator shaft that should get people's attention. Well, they already have their attention. Like the cops are there, dude. Like yeah. what you're going to, you're going to try to take it down. You're going to test the test jet fuel versus the strength of steel. I don't think so. Um, so the, the breakfast club principal, he's there. He is not good at crisis management. He's like yelling at everybody to do everything wrong. He hates Reginald Vell Johnson. Eventually Ellis. He's so good at it though. He's, he's really good. He's the second best character in the movie. He's pretty good. Um, Ellis, my favorite character in the movie, to be honest, he, he's like, <laughs> he's doing, he, McGee. he's doing bumps off his hand in a hostage situation. And he's like, Hey. I got this. He's like, yeah. I negotiate multi-million what was, what was dollar deals for Ellis. Right. He's like, I'd just be sitting there waiting. I'd be like, don't worry. Right. Cops are coming. I'm good. Booby. Yeah. <laughs> so he decides he's going to try to negotiate um, with McLean on behalf of Hans Gruber. And McLean immediately recognizes the peril that Ellis is in and Ellis doesn't recognize it until it, it's too late, and uh, Hans Gruber murders him. And uh, Ellis, Ellis, I, I want to fuck your wife. I bought her a Rolex. Check it out. Yeah, like we, like yeah. show show him the watch. Like yeah. we free him the watch. <laughs> like, like like what balls? Like yes. we just met, dude. Yeah. I mean, like I'm packing heat. I could yeah. shoot you right I'm now. A, I'm a New York cop, and I like. Yeah. I also like that somewhere during this movie, some Seagram's wine cooler executives are like, you know what? That's the guy that's going to sell our product for the next five years. To <laughs> they're, they're like, any chance this guy can play harmonica? <laughs> uh, so they, so they um, eventually the FBI shows up. And for some reason, the FBI is Robert Davi. And I believe a guy that was later on Martin. Nah, it, stop it. I swear to God, I think he's on Martin. Um, and they they are like, no. Wait, you're saying on Martin or Martin? No, he was not actually Martin. I, I think thought you were saying, I, I believe he turned out to be Martin Lawrence. No, 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 no. no, no. He, was a, like, he was a character man. on the television program, Martin. Possibly. Yes. Um, the So they show up and they're not much better. They're like, shut down the grid. Like they're doing everything There's, wrong. Oh, another Another that guy. The guy shutting down the grid, Rick oh, Dukeman from uh, from the Burbs. Oh, I love him. He looked familiar. Yes, great. Love that guy. He just so, died like a year ago. So they are we sure not a hoax? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Um. So and then Gruber and McLean finally meet first, and I I might have missed this part because I was taking notes. How does Gruber end up on the on the construction floor on the roof where uh, where McLean's hanging out? What what's 
His whole um, plan goes to shit if he doesn't have his detonators. Oh, right. McLean right. has them. So he's so, like, I'll just go get them myself? But no. I will, I will guys, say that that uh, that book I read, The Oral History, Ryan Abrams, I think, is the author. He's he's written some good oral histories. And they're like quick, like like Kindle singles type things. Um, he there were there were things cut out of that scene, and that's why he knew that Hans he noticed his watch, and that's why he knew he was one of the Germans. And oh, they cut that right. out. Like there were, there are things that were cut out that that this this scene with Gruber and uh, McLean. That don't that make the least sense? There. Yeah, because it's the Bill stupid. Clay thing. Like, how does yeah. he know Bill Clay? Well, because it says William Clay on the wall. Yeah, there's a yeah. Th- there's like a directory on the wall. Um, the, the thing about the detonators, he, I, I mean, like McLean's killed nearly half of them, so he's like, "Well, let me go check my guys' work before they died and see if they finished the job." Because the guys that were doing that were the ones that got blown up by the C four. Oh. Now, what is the exact plan with the detonators? The de- they're put the hostages on the roof and blow them below up the, below the roof. But but they could have just gotten away while the hostages were hostages. Right. That's- but they no they they wanted it to seem like they died. They t- he tells that part at the end where he's explaining his plan, where yeah, he's yeah. like, "They only come looking for you if they think you're still alive." Like he's gonna he's gonna uh-huh. let the building tumble around him while they they make their escape. Uh, so. Yeah, so Gruber and McLean finally meet on the roof, but then then in a real acting job, Alan Rickman pretends that he's just like a lost party goer where he's like, hey, oh man, I'm so scared. Yeah, don't shoot me. Is that a gun? And then and then John McLean immediately hands him a weapon. He's like, All right, buddy, you're good. You're you're good with me, Bill Clay. Here, have a gun. And it's just a weird turn. And I guess, I guess that makes sense that, that parts were cut out that make it confusing, but he gives him a gun and then, and then Gruber get, he turns his back to him and then Gruber, like you see him in shadow behind him, point the gun at McLean. And i I feel like he would have just pulled the trigger at this point. It's, he's clearly not shy about killing people. Uh, but then he like calls down and starts speaking in German to his guys on the no, radio. He, he does pull the trigger. Oh, he, he does, but not Eventually. right away. But he yeah. had emptied the clip. Right, not right away. And then, so then they have an interaction, and then he goes to pull the trigger, and and McLean. I feel like he would have been able to feel by the weight. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm not yeah. a good guy with a gun like these guys. Seasoned murderer probably would be like, right. yeah, he would have known there were bullets in it. Uh, but anyway, he's he. Um, they have that interaction, and then Ghostbusters guy. I can't remember that guy's name. He, Atherton. I don't know the, the reporter's yeah. name. He um he gets all McLean's info. Like he's got his hard copy stringers out there, and they get all McLean's info, and they go. Oh, and he goes, he goes all uh, INS on the on the yeah on the yeah, oh, yeah Trump's America. Um, so oh, Carl, and also yeah. just one of his coworkers. I I mean, you were supposed to find him funny. I loved the the dumb uh, anchor. Oh yeah, at the, at the station where the Herald, like, yeah, the Helsinki, the Helsinki, uh, <laughs> no Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. And he's like Stockholm, Denmark, or something like that. Try to sound smart, and they're like, no, no, you dummy. Um, we get so, a lot of Goonies yeah. connections in this movie. You got the mom from Goonies as the reporter. You have one of the Fratellis as the FBI agent. Oh, I mean, this right. movie's rife with Goonies. Yes. Um. So then, so Carl Hungus is still pissed and. 
then we get a, a weird, and this is kind of like the Goonies, why I hate Christmas story. Reginald, Vel, like McLean and Reginald Vell Johnson are, are just chatting. Cause that's what you do when you're on an open line, you're just hanging out talking and he's like, so why are you jockeying that desk fat ass and eating Twinkies? And Reginald <laughs> Vell Johnson's like, well, actually I murdered a child. And that's a little awkward, right? Did we need that it story? Was, it was awkward. And also like, he's his ally. Yeah. Why would you be like, hey, why are you working a desk? So maybe life didn't work out the way the guy planned, but like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Trying is, to shame your only ally here? Is there time? This is a hostage situation. Should we be making small talk on the yeah. radio? Maybe not bust balls when I'm the only one trying to get you out of there alive, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Don't make right. me tell my most my innermost boss, secrets. Yeah. Paul Gleason is up my ass every every move we make here, and you're making it harder for me to like you. Exactly. Um, so yeah, then Robert Dobby shows wait, up. We have the shoot glass scene. Did that already happen? Shoot the that's glass. Right, that's right after the whole Bill Clay thing. That's the shoot oh. the glass scene. Yeah. Oh, shoot. right. Cause he notices his, his feet. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. 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 He noticed Yeah. He's got dirty ass feet. I'm sure Ed loved that part. Um, so they, Oh, Robert Dobby, big Johnson is, um, Tells the guy from the burbs to lose the grid or lose your job, and I feel like what? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't work for him. Like you're not, you're not my boss. I'm, I'm in a union, dude. Like I got, I got twenty years in. Like there's, you, you can't fire me. You, you're an FBI I'm agent. Vested. You're not my boss. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I got, I can get my, I can get my teamsters down here in five minutes and have my job back. Like what are you talking about? Uh, but they, your ass red tape. They, sh- they they shut off the grid, which is, of course, exactly what Sundown wanted him to do. <laughs> uh, and they, and, and then which, they get right which, in. Which opens the vault. And then, um, Mc- oh, McLean has a message for his wife. What a fucking pussy. He's like, hey. And it's not like a short message. He's like, hey, uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, listen. I want you to tell my wife something. You got a pen? And he's like, just tell her that I loved her and she was special to me. And maybe it didn't all work out. And I should have been more supportive back in the day. And uh, like on my bachelor party, I fucked a hooker and I never (laughs) told her about that. And really like, I don't, I'm not positive that that second kid with the bowl cut is ours. Off to her sister. <laughs> it's like a long, long explanation, and I, I didn't see Reginald Vell Johnson making notes. Um, so it's, it's cool if you fucked Ellis. I don't <laughs> forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, Ghostbusters guy shows up. Shows up at uh, Holly Gennaro's house and threatens to call immigration, Trump's America, to. <laughs> get her to let him talk to the kids, which is insane. He's like talking the camera kids. I don't, I don't feel like that's very ethical. Um, and then McLean also at that same time, McLean realizes that Gruber's whole plan is to blow up the building, which I got to ask you guys think this is where Bush and Cheney got the idea <laughs> where they're like, Hey, we got, char- we're, we're, we put charges on the roof. Yeah. And once the roof, once we blow up the roof, like all the floors are going to fall in on each other. Like this is a pretty good idea. And when, yeah. and when they shut down the power, that's when they immediately get into the vault, right? 
Yes. Yes. Right. And yeah. it opened in right. that vault. I also noticed there were like paintings. Like it looked like there was a Degas over, yeah. you know, the ballerina guy. Like it looked like there were like real paintings. What what's going on in this building that they just they're just holding all kinds of shit there was with an, no security? There was ancient samurai armor. Yeah, that's right. There's like yes. What is yeah. this place that only has like rent a cops there? Very weird. Very weird. Um, Flashbangs. So uh, then, uh, then McLean's up on the roof. He's figured out the plan. Carl Hungus is there. They have their like big fight. And he ends Top up five movie fights of all time. Yeah, I, I fucking love is. that fight. It's pretty good. And he ends up, he ends up um, hanging Carl Hungus by a chain. There's a part where they're fighting and where Bruce Willis says, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. I'm going to fucking cook you. I'm going to fucking eat you. And they're just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> you say, I'm Every, gonna eat- yeah. yeah. I'm going to fucking cook you. I'm going to eat you. No. Uh, like, like McLean, I was noticing. I'm like, this guy, this guy fights like I fuck. Like he's got, he's got, <laughs> he gives you, he gives you fucking every, he tells you every detail of what he's about to do. He's like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to fish hook you. And then I'm going to fucking need to know that. shove my fingers up your nose. And then I'm going to fucking spin you around <laughs> and I'm going to grab you by the hair. And I'll just, you won't notice it, but that's my thumb and your asshole. And it's like, it's whole, it's like, okay, dude, we get it. Like we got the details. Yeah. Slow down. Um, Carl and, tries to go like full kung fu, like he's like doing like legit karate yeah, stances. He tries, he tries, he he tries a karate chop. That's not going to help. Oh, I forgot about that. Like he legitimately tries to judo chop. Yes. Um. So, but he ends he ends up getting his. He gets hung by a chain. Then, um, McLean yeah, the show the showdown. McLean again just doesn't really have the best judgment. He runs up to the roof, and Gruber has herded all of. The so he's got a plan. He's told um, Paul Gleason. He's like, look, release all my comrades in Myanmar and Northern Ireland. And he's like pretending he's a real terrorist. And then he's like, and then send a couple choppers to the roof. And I feel like this is never, this would never work out. Like unless you're DB Cooper, this whole like I'm gonna need to commandeer an aircraft. It just never works. But he's like, send a couple aircraft to the roof to pick us all up, and then I'll tell you what to do. And so the aircraft are coming in, and the uh, Robert Davi thinks he's in Nam. He's like, yeah, just like Danang, we're gonna take out some gooks. <laughs> like he's like way too into it. Yeah, I like his partner's response. It's like I was in middle school. Yeah, exactly. The guy that ended up being on Martin. Later. Uh, so they- casually, they're also like, we're probably gonna lose four percent of the hostages. I can live with that. Yeah, 20, like, 25%. <laughs> yeah. The pilot's like, yeah, we're going to probably kill a lot of these people. And they're like, cool. No problem. Them yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so they, so McLean realizes the plan. He's like, oh, the fucking, they got a whole, all the C4 is for the roof. They're going to blow up the roof. So instead of just calmly explaining to the hostages, he like screams out unintelligibly, you guys got to get the fuck off the roof. And they're all like kind of standing around scared. So what does he what? what does he do to defuse the situation? Same thing he did to Vel J. Yeah. shooting at him. He starts fucking machine gunning the air. Yeah, this is how accidents happen, John. But then has the balls to fall. be like, "Why are you shooting at me? I'm on your side." Like you're fucking yeah. spraying bullets in the air, ass face. Like, how are they what supposed do you to think? Then he comes up. Then so he he sends all the. The hostages. I think the pregnant the pregnant assistant when he's doing where's Holly, 
I think she says where where he, that that Gruber got her. Right. So he's he he sends everybody down the stairs, and instead of just going down the stairs with them, he's like, "No, I got a different way. I want to go one floor below, and the elevator doesn't work. So what I'm going to do is because this roof's going to blow up, I'm going to take a a um, fire hose, and I'm going to tie it around my waist." And then as soon as the roof's blowing up, I'm going to jump off the side of this building and then where – who knows where I land? Like the thing that the the thing that the fire hose is attached to is going to explode and come crashing down with the building. But that's OK because I'll already be on a different floor. And that's what he does. He He – launches himself it's very famous scene he launches himself off the side of the building and then he machine guns the floor below him and barely barely flies in on the broken glass as everything's exploding and then the uh the base or whatever the roller that holds the hose that that comes behind him and almost pulls him off the building but he's able to to survive that um bad, Gruber, bad idea Bad idea yeah, or really worst idea scene. ever? It's a fun scene though. That's that's a pretty cool scene where where he's he's got to quickly get out. Yeah. Well, everything's all a fever dream after he falls to his death in the elevator shaft. Like that's the whole. Like, <laughs> yeah, he he right, died way right. earlier. Yeah, he was really yeah. dead. He, he yeah. died in the first twenty minutes. But uh, he, er, yeah. Gruber blows the roof, and they're like, "Hey, Carl's up there." He's like, "Like I give a fuck," so, you know. Yeah. And he just blows the roof anyway. Like the other terrorists are like, "I know all the other guys are dead, but Carl's up there." He's like, I don't, I don't care, man. We're yeah. blowing the roof. Yeah. Fuck Carl. Gruber's yeah. Gruber's final pairing. It's him and the Huey Lewis-looking guy yeah. who was the security guard. Yeah, the the least important guy on the whole squad. Yeah, the guy who just watched football the In whole boots. time. Yeah, he had he had fifty bucks on SC Notre Dame on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they don't play then. Yeah, but yeah, he looks like Huey Lewis. He looks exactly like Huey Lewis. I, I'm. I mean, I'll be honest. I think when I first saw this in 1988, I thought I was a huge Huey Lewis fan at the time, and I was Me very too. confused. And he was, like, he was Whoa. already in Back to the Future, so you figured, yeah. oh, I guess he just does things like this. Yeah, I briefly thought that was Huey Lewis. Um, so then Robert Dobby – within the explosion, Robert Dobby's chopper goes down. And Bonnie Bedelia, meanwhile, she's she's um, to be, been determined to be a high-value asset, so – um, Gruber's holding on to her for a while, and she really isn't the best hostage. He's this is a guy that you've seen murder or you know has murdered your boss. He's as fuck. Yeah, he's murdered your work boyfriend. Like he he does not give a fuck. And she's like, "You dumb motherfucker! Like my husband's gonna get you. Shut the fuck up! Like how did she survive as long as she did? Right? And he's got the bear bonds in his possession now. So yeah, he he's got just, what he needs. He, he, can, he can just kill her. her. Yeah. Um, so then Argyle, he's been sitting there on the phone all the time. He sees the black nerd from uh, Hans Gruber's Sundown. gang, Sundown. Sundown, taking off. And in the ambulance, their whole, their whole plan is that they're going to, as the building collapses, they're going to escape in an ambulance. Yeah, like, like the town. Right. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're the just going to. The end of the town. They're too. just going to be in a municipal vehicle and no one's going to notice. Much like Den of Thieves, also with the ambulance. Um, so acting tour de force, classic movie. Pablo Shriver should be in everything from now on. Um, so, but meanwhile, what the what the ambulance guy doesn't realize is that 
Argyle's down there in the limousine, and he's been chilling. Even though he's known that the building's been under siege for hours, he's Gates just hung out there. Until until he decides he can just drive through the gates. Right. And so he takes... We're bearing a lead here. Yes. C4 exploded yeah. three floors above Argyle's head. Yeah. And he didn't move. Yeah. You think that would well, disrupt the I'm cell I'm in the middle signal? of a very yes. important... Uh, uh, car phone conversation. Yes, and he was drinking. Like the guy had driving to do, and he's he's back. He's like biting the tops off airplane bottles. Yeah. In the, in playing the Bobby Brown's greatest hits. Yes. Um. So our and, our, and also he yes. has no skin in the game. He doesn't know no. the dynamics. He sees no. a guy getting into the ambulance. Yeah, get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How yeah. does he know that? What does he know that that's well, a bad guy or an ambulance? The driver? ambulance. Like, somebody could have died. The <laughs> ambulance comes out of the back of a of a moving truck. So may, maybe he gets wise at that point. Uh, but at any rate, he takes out the ambulance. Uh, McLean. And a great knockout punch. He, he yeah. crushes Sundown with that punch. McLean, McLean once again gets the drop on, on Hans Gruber. But instead of like quietly sneaking up and shooting all the bad guys, what's he do? He immediately announces his presence. Hey, Gruber, I'm right here. Arms. Yeah. And uh, looking like shit, too. Yeah. Uh, he's, this time. He's so Shell dirty. Man. Yeah. So dirty and bloody. And he just looks bad. And uh, so, of course, Gruber's got his wife there, Holly. And he's but, like, you know, Gruber's yeah. got his wife. But Huey Lewis could easily just shoot, shoot him, him right here. Yep. This always drives me crazy when there's two against one. Like Huey Lewis is just watching. Maybe it is Huey Lewis, and he only wants to sing "I Want a New Drug." He wanted a new drug. <laughs> he was thinking about the next drug that he, he wasn't needed. thinking about killing McLean. So he, he so McLean does, and this is, I mean, when you're 12, 13 years old, and this movie comes out, this is, and you're seeing it in the theater, and the fucking hero has a gun with two bullets in it, and he's fucking got it taped to his back. I, I mean, like I, I'm not, I'm engorged right now just thinking about it because it is so badass. He's like, he's like, put down the gun, McLean. And he's like, all right, you got me. Well, he, he, he wouldn't have got you if you just hadn't announced your presence right away. But uh, he puts down his machine gun and he, he puts the hands up like, hey, like, oh, all right, my hands are up. You got me. Meanwhile, Hans Gruber could just murder him right there. He's, he's, he's inclined to murder people. Like it's not it's not hard for him to kill. He did not bat an eye with Ellis or Takagi. Yeah. And meanwhile And they didn't they didn't try to kill him. He, he just has. Carl Hungus is on his own team and he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he meanwhile he he doesn't kill McLean, and that's to his own de- detriment because McLean, despite not shooting lots of people that he should have shot, immediately becomes the fucking bullseye master Annie Oakley he pulls he pulls so the badass. he pulls the taped gun behind his shoulder he takes out Huey Lewis with a fucking gunshot right to the forehead and he takes out he takes out Hans Gruber and Hans Gruber stumbles back and he's falling out the window and he's holding on to Holly Gennaro's arm and what is what is the grip that he has on her wrist. Watch. But that, Ellis's Rolex. Ellis's yeah, Rolex. That, that new Rolex she got for closing all those deals. Show them a watch. Moved, since they moved to LA. 
Um, but six gotta, months of deal closing. Yeah, the watch. The watch doesn't hold him. And in one of the maybe the greatest fucking bad guy death scene ever, Hans Gruber falls away off the building to his death. Although he was already shot. So I I, I read this uh, uh, several times. So maybe you know, but the deal was it. They really had him drop twenty five feet onto one of those big. Oh, big fuck uh that. fuck that fuck yeah that. like as an yeah. actor 25 feet yeah. that's two and a half stories yeah as an actor no. it's like could can you just drop me five feet and then no. like cgi it so what they did is they said we're gonna drop you on the count of three and they said one and just let him go oh that is oh so he'd uh, look so more he surprised real. he's really scared yeah. in that scene i feel like they do that a lot in movies i feel like i've heard that about other movies where they've they, they trick the actor which is fucked poor, poor guy he was the best part of the movie. It's his first movie ever. And the director just totally fucks with his trust. Yeah. John McTiernan, bad guy. Um, you know, when the, yes. the Huey Lewis guy takes a bullet to the head, that's probably the most satisfying moment for me, just for like a continuity person. Like earlier in the movie, he's like, I'm, I'm watching USC Notre Dame and I got 20 bucks on these assholes. Like Christmas Eve, college football season's been over for weeks. This is the 80s. Like the, uh, when he when he yeah. dies, I was excited. A better like, move would have yeah. been if they said, "Yeah, I'm betting on the Blue Bonnet Bowl or the Hawaii yes. Bowl." Because yeah. I mean, you're not Holiday sure. Bowl. Yeah, Poinsettia whatever's going bowl. on in the '80s, the Cherry Bowl yes. in those days. But like, it would not be two premier programs. They're not playing on New Year's Eve, right? Christmas, Christmas Eve. Christmas yeah. Eve. It's it was USC Hawaii. Notre Dame. I yes. mean, I've watched the last couple of years after the kids go to bed, like. I've watched Hawaii no, Bowl. No, you're, like that's what's on. Your lesser bowl games pop off around Christmas time. Everybody knows that. That's the problem. Yep. Is these guys, these guys that make these movies, these guys grew up nerds. Like they're they're shit about sports. They're yeah, they they're not fucking real men like we are that know about sports and shit and tough shit. I had to say that part, that little nugget for the sports podcaster record. I had that's to say right. It. That's right. I appreciate that. Um, any anything else you want to add? Mark the Nomad uh, from via via because you read the did you, I mean so at the end of the book is it as good as the book? No, Die Hard. This is the situation where the movie far surpasses the book. The oh, book's crazy. not great. Yeah, and uh, Holly Gennaro in the book is in on it, and she literally gets ripped out the window and falls to her death with Hans. Shut up, Tony. She dies. Yeah, wow. she's in on the robbery. She's in on it. That would have been yeah. that would have been just like her character in uh, Presumed Innocent. Presumed Innocent. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's like assumed. the real book for the natural. He strikes yeah. out. Like yeah. the real book is Even terrible. Better. Yeah, that's ter- the test audience was probably like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. yeah, they had to shoot too. Yeah, best line of the movie is when Hans Gruber's falling, and he's like, "Hope that's not a hostage." Like I, that's that yes. so good. So good. <laughs> My. That 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 is my probably my second favorite line is when Gruber's talking to Sundown and he's like, It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles when he when he's trying to I I love the uh he's so the SWAT team guy. Send in the car. Send in the car. Like just the way he says it. So I rewind yeah. that scene just to hear that guy say send in the car. There, there are so many good lines in this movie. They just pop up like almost every scene. There's a memorable note that you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot oh, that. It's definitely worth watching. There was the one action scene we haven't addressed. How did 
Hungus, fresh off his oh, yeah, murder he was hung. and log jamming, like he was hung and he was hung like 20, 20 feet in the air. Yes. And, and he then he shows back down up. And was not like, yeah, I mean, he didn't break his legs. He was able to walk out and try and get off a shot or almost get off a shot. Yeah. Yep. And, his, and his face is all, like he looks all burned like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> like he looks like an undead serial killer when he shows back yeah. up like a like a uh, like a slasher movie villain, like like Jason without the mask. Jason Voorhees. Reginald Vell Johnson commits his first murder since killing that little boy. Right. That's yeah. right. Yes. So now he's, he's at 50 percent of innocent deaths. And then yes. almost plugs Argyle. Like he turns on him when Argyle oh, yeah. blows out yeah. the door. That's right. He would have oh, he's dropped it down to thirty three percent. Yeah, of justified. <laughs> yeah, so that is that is like the redemption story of the movie. Reginald Vell Johnson emerges not only a baby killer, like he's yeah. a, he's a baby killer and an adult killer. Only half of your deaths are babies, right? Fifty <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, I, I will say the one thing. That was, was when I rewatched it this weekend. I introduced it to my son who turned 11 about a month ago. And yeah. it was like, you know, when you see that, like you revisit it when you're that kind of age. And it's crazy. Like this is like you said, when he's got the gun with two bullets, he's got the gun t- taped to his back. It was like my son's head was going to explode like that is because it's so badass. It's badass. Yeah. Like it's, I, I still love this movie, but wa- watching it through his eyes, like you realize your head's going to explode when these moments happen. You know, yeah. when you're that age. Yeah. It's Can crazy. I make a suggestion? Yeah. I did Die Hard with my 11 year old, same age. Predator blew his fucking mind. Predator was like insane to him. Like he, he's obsessed with Predator now. Um, this- Predator gave me a nightmare. Predator really? Predator has some pretty weak special effects in retrospect. You see the outline of shit. You and I there's I watched it not that it was on not that long ago and I was watching it with my kid. But it, at the and, same time, eleven year olds are pretty fucking dumb. Carl mm. Weathers and Bill Duke had like a real easy shot. I can't believe I'm getting into this right now. They had a couple real easy shots at Predator with because they had machine guns themselves and Predator oh, yeah, was like yeah, the predator, uh, predator was just standing on a branch and they could totally see him and they're like, okay, I'm going to go around. I'm going to sneak around the other side and flank him. And it's like, just shoot him right there. He's right there. He's right there. Just shoot. This the is the first time we've actually laid eyes on him the whole time. He's right there. Just shoot. Predator, predator fact, the helicopter pilot that rescues uh, Arnie and the chick and whoever else was there. Also, the predator. No oh, shit. Dual role. Wow. Yeah. Mind blown on that Red one. Guy. Okay, guys. Really appreciate it. Anything else? Anybody have anything to add? Well, I was just looking at the IMDb. Yeah. And the fact that I read that none of the guys spoke German. One of the terrorists' name was Wilhelm von Homburg. How the fuck do you not bullshit. know German? Bullshit. That's bullshit. And also, little little Johnson. Big Johnson's Robert Dobby. Right. Little Johnson. The guy's first name was Grand. Right. Grand Grand Bush is his name. Grand Bush. Did did he show up? Was he a character on the Martin Lawrence sitcom? Martin. 
Grand Bush. Eponymous. Here we go. Grand L. Bush. Grand L. Bush. FBI agent Little Johnson. Born 1955. Only three years younger than Reginald Vell Johnson. He was... (laughs) Wait a second. He he played Todd Bridges' father in Building Bridges, an autobiographical short film about the rise and fall of... I don't don't think that was a great role for him. He's younger than... He's younger than uh, okay. He was not on. No, you not you just Martin. you just made that mistake. That just, you know, he, probably, he played he the Black Panther leader in Forrest Gump. Fuck yeah, he did. Fuck yeah, he did. This guy works. Yeah, well, he, did, he did. He up did up until two thousand two. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good run. You know what? From the eighties to the two thousand. Starred it, as Jim Bridges in Building Bridges in two thousand. It just kind of petered out yeah, after that. Didn't work. Didn't work. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Excellent job. Mark the Nomad, thank you very much. Question. Yes. What do I have to what um words do I need to mute on Twitter for when eventually in like a week or so Jim Harbaugh takes the Green Bay Packers head coaching job? Um, you are gonna want to mute suicide. Yeah. You're gonna wanna mute Fuck everything. You do a whole thing. Hang, hang on a second, Mark. Yeah. yeah. In an off season where you could lose Harbaugh, but lose Urban Meyer, I would think that's still a better trade off. Urban no? Myers. Yep. Yeah. You know what? Um, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you I'm could say what, what I would want I've from this off season. Oh, you've quit. I'm, you've quit on Michigan. That's no, your Michigan just, man. You can't Michigan ever man. quit, but I'm just saying, like, if you have to lose Harbaugh to lose Irving Myers, that's... that's uh, I'm going to do that deal. We never beat Urban Meyer. And that was the biggest bummer for me. I just wanted to get him at least once, but... At least, not gonna at least, I mean, the one thing you can that you can sleep well at night is Urban Meyer seems like a real great dude, so, you yeah, know, he's, he's a, nice... He's girl. a good guy. Solid. Salt to the earth kind of guy. All right. Excellent um, job. This guys, this is the last show of the year. Yeah. We'll get to the whole fucking time. Yeah. Yippee Kaye. Motherfucker. Um, excellent job. You guys did a great job. Great movie. Really like I was making fun of it this whole time. And there's a lot of things to make fun of it, but you can see it's it's Alan Rickman movie. is so good. And, and it's so obvious why, uh, Bruce Willis became such a fucking megastar. Like, and he's awesome. this is this is all the proof you need that the Oscars are trash. Yeah, because he Rickman didn't even get nominated. Yeah, well, it's an action movie. It doesn't matter. Yeah, just yeah. like like uh, Goodman and Lebowski. Like when they don't get nominated for actual good performances, yeah, who gives them? Well, there's Absolutely. a it's, there's a lot of like English patience and chocolate yeah. and stuff like trash. That. Uh, Okay, so for Mark the Nomad, for Easy Ed Daily, Greasy Ed Daily, my name's Brian Beckner. This has been episode 248 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We will see you next year. Brian Beckner, quick to dissect the week in sports and culture and whatever. 
Plus you know there's Kate with a C But she's known as Fancy Pop to you and me Talking loud comers, conundrums, my brothers Reviewing some movies and shows and the others Top podcast, man, no one is above us Five star, even the haters will love us And we're not trying to talk politics a lot We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot Shit's so hot, man, you know the shit's on top Top podcast, man, it really hits the spot Listen up, you players and shot callers TBLS, the lifestyle's baller And you know the show is so flawless TBLS, the lifestyle's baller Listen up, you players and shot callers TBLS, the lifestyle's baller And you know the show is for all of